this is this broom cupboard is it's got it's got a charm to it it has got a charm to it i'm gonna miss it Hello and welcome to the Together Marketing Podcast. We are here on episode six. That is right. We have made it to six episodes. And right now to celebrate, I've crammed so many people into this cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, okay. <laughs> where are we gonna where are we gonna get started today, Harry? Right, so we have we're lucky enough to get John on for a second time, and you've got uh, some thoughts about marketing to millennials. We are all millennials of different phases of millennialism. We've got 95, 93, 84. Yeah, correct. 83, yeah. actually. 83. 83. Yeah. So, so all I'm of just us are edge. in the bracket of being millennials. And as kind of midweight millennial, I absolutely hate the term. I think the millennial term probably came about from the boom of the technology, you know, back in the 2000s when <clears throat> I've, I remember a time when I was obviously my first phone was a Nokia 365. Yeah. Now I have touchscreen everything. Yeah. My best friend has children who are growing up now. You know, she's using an iPad. She's five years old. There's mm. going to be a whole other generation where technology is just integrated in their lives. Yep. Whereas we were all kind of brought up learning, understanding, and with the, the like the new innovations yep. and everything. So I think if we're defining millennials, let's say it's those who kind of grew up on that tech boom wave. We're a generation that has grown up learning to use technology. Mm. What would be really interesting is to see the generation after us, to see how they've grown up with that technology and with the rapid pace um, of innovation that we have today. And I know you've got some stats on this, John, is that mm. millennials now are the key decision makers in B2B marketing. And we had a conversation just before this where I was saying, you know, is it too late for B2B brands to be thinking about marketing to millennials because we're already here. And obviously, we're going to be taking over the decision-making pool because it's just naturally the next wave of people. I think let's just take it away from the generation conversation just for a moment. Mm. Um, let's look at how the world has changed um, over the last decade. If you if you think about the huge amount, we've got companies that are now worth trillions probably of pounds if we look at companies like Facebook that are less than 20 years old. Mm. And we look at the expectations that they've given us as uh, you know over the last 15 to 20 years so if we think about how you know you may go online it's no longer good enough to just look at your competitors it's no longer good enough to just um, see what other players in your market are doing um, and, and, and copy them or, or keep up with the Joneses, if you will. It's much more important now to look at the experiences that everyone goes through in their day-to-day life and look at thinking of ways that you can bring that to your experience you know the two examples i like to use at uber and amazon we're so used to that instant gratification of ordering a taxi and it turns up and we we pay for it without having to go to a cash machine in fact i can't even remember the last time i used a cash machine when i'm thinking about this right now Uh, and we're so used to ordering something and have it arrive next day that we get frustrated if it takes more than a day Mm. um so if you, th- if you translate that to your online experiences, if you're having to ask the users to remember, you know, even do something simple like remember multiple passwords, it's just not enough anymore. The, you know, there's, there's certainly there's a, there's a few traits of these latest generations bringing it back to them. You know, they, they do expect things to always work on mobile. Um, the, the, the stat that we have here is that, you know, 50% of B2B decision makers actually do research out of hours and on holiday. Who's checked their work email while they've been on holiday? I certainly have. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. But I think that's an interesting thing, isn't it? It's like, it's no longer, work is no longer like the nine to five It's part of your life every single day. And it's not a bad thing, it's a brilliant thing. People who are super driven and would like to be a, a decision maker or move in that direction have so much less limiting them than the generation before them. They'd never really have to leave the workspace in their heads. They can mm. be researching at, on holiday in a way that my, you know, my mother couldn't. She can't. Oh, uh, plug in my my desktop, 
that, that wasn't a thing. So we've removed a lot of limiters that, that stop kind of productivity and yep. this generation. It's about the power of convenience and wanting things now. And, and I think I, I, I really want to make sure we, we keep that as a thread as we, as we talk about this today because it's so easy to get tied up in, I'm going to say, generation bashing and talking about all the frustrations and the challenges that, that, that you know, the latest generation and technology brings us. But really, you know, what we should be focusing is how can that, you know, when, when technology gets applied in the best way, it should almost be transparent to the entire process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't feel like it's getting in the way. It shouldn't feel like it's, um, it, like it's causing any problems. It should make us more productive. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what our job in, in the B2B space is to inspire others about the use of your technology. It's a really important point to, to, that I, I'm glad you raised there, Harry, which is technology has become so omnipresent, let's say. We need to find ways that you can enable those experiences so that it doesn't matter what device someone's using or how someone's accessing um, accessing your site, that they can get that experience and they can, and, and they can hopefully get a positive outcome. I think it's really interesting what you said earlier as well about looking outside of your market to how you can... Keep that, keep that information forefront of mind, not necessarily just have a look at how your competitors are doing it. Because I think yep. it's been a big thing um, for B2B marketers over the last five years, the importance of UX. Yep. You know, web design, making sure your presence is everywhere and making sure you're mobile. But like you said, it is so much more than that now. It's so much more than just someone being able to access that information. It's yep. how you're putting that information in front of this audience. And, you know, how do you get to them? Yep. And looking at innovative ways that you can do that, you know, that <coughs> necessarily aren't happening in your market at the moment. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a really, really important point. I mean, UX was something I remember us talking about here over 10 years ago. Um, when it wasn't really a term that our clients understand, and now we wouldn't even consider putting a site forward unless it has a wireframe, and we thought about I thought about the layout. So, it it's super important to be thinking about it, um, and that's a really good point. Just kind of coming back on a few of these stats for a moment because mm-hmm. I've got a few that I can run through. So, you know, we, we've already talked that fifty percent of us check our work email. I'm not going to talk about trends in in mobile search and so on because I think we. We, you know, we've seen a lot of those, but just to add a bit more around the B2B space, 91% of B2B decision makers do some research on mobile. Um, so this is another Google report. This is actually from back in 2015. So I'd expect this to be even more polarizing today. But that means at some point, whether that's the first time they do research or whether that's the last time they submit a lead or look to purchase, they're using their mobile phone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to have an experience is this sounds silly that i'm having this conversation in 2019 but there are brands out there that still don't see you prioritize this if if you're not building experience that works on mobile it's just it's just not gonna it's not gonna cut the mustard i think it's really interesting to say there are still brands out there because as a millennial (laughs) (laughs) for me the people that i work with the businesses that we work with a lot of them are at that forefront of being brilliant with the technology they use they always consider mobile it's all, I almost don't consider the experience I'm having because it's so seamless and mm-hmm. so integrated and it is really interesting that actually you say a lot of companies don't have that consideration they're still not thinking about it because they're just being forgotten about then one third of mobile users will actually turn to a competitor if they, you don't provide a good experience mm. you've got some great stats on there about how many millennials there are who are decision makers at the moment y- yep if you think so what was the statistic so we, it was 75% got, yeah so we well it, it's grown so if we look back into and this is research from Google that, that they do publish every year on B2B and I highly recommend you do go and look at this and we can we can look at adding some links to the blog in the future as well but you know back in 2012 the 
millennials accounted for about 27% of the B2B decision maker market. By 2016, that had reached 45 to 46%, which is a huge amount. And it's worth, you know, 60% of these decision makers have final authority. So these are the people that are making the decision about what they're going to buy, whether they're going to buy your product um, or whether they're going to buy a competitor. So it, what we're essentially saying is nearly half of your market, yeah. you know, you need to market to it. And way. could dismiss you if you're not offering that seamless service that yep. we expect and I think it's a really interesting thing about trust actually because if I go to the site where I've been marketed to I follow onto the site and it's not seamless it's well, not slick it's a scam it's a scam <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. when actually a lot of the time it's not I've been marketed to this morning actually um, where we got a nomination someone nominated us for an award mm. that I'd never heard of before and it was through a magazine and we name on nameless you know, they literally put in the email, do you want, yes, like, tick yes if you'd like to receive the nomination, tick no. So I went, fully inspected all the links, straight away in my head went to, this is scam. Yeah. Absolute scam. And it's not, it wasn't at all. Actually, it is a print magazine who haven't really translated onto digital. What's a print magazine? I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is the thing, if we're talking about millennials, you have to think that this is just the status quo now. Mm. If you're not doing this, then you're going to be perceived as untrustworthy and that curve for us is going to be harder. And in a generation that wants instant gratification, needs to be able to learn information, absorb it very quickly, very efficiently, and know the next action that we can take and own that decision yep. ourselves, if you're not providing that and if you're seen a tiny bit untrustworthy, then you are going to lose, what was it, 60%? Yeah, it, of your potential audience. It, it's also worth considering that that behaviour has just changed across the industry. Um, you know, 94% of B2B buyers, and I'm just spouting stats today, but 94% of B2B buyers, you know, will, con will conduct research before buying. Now, that probably sounds fairly obvious, but what's different is they won't contact a salesperson or read your white paper, is they will go to independent sites, they will look, they, they will compare you, you against your competition in a lot more detail before they even pick up the phone. Um, in fact, many, you know, many buyers no longer want to pick up the phone. They want to interact using new things like live chat or, you know, even 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 Twitter and, and iMessage with, with some of the latest releases um, or la latest features coming to iOS. So, you know, it's really important to consider that research journey starts really, really early on, um, with, you know, with, with generations nowadays. I have an interesting curveball here. I don't know... I don't know. So you mentioned up live chat and how people, yeah. you know, really yeah. want to interact with this. Actually, I had to go and authenticate a page recently to so verify a page, get the blue tick through yeah. Facebook. Now, I was directed from Facebook, how do you do this, to their chatbot, which was an artificial intelligent tool where I was asking questions, and I didn't like it. As a millennial, I felt like it was too much just to give me the information I needed. Do you think that people can take it too far? So, no, that's a really good point. And there's a couple of a couple of elements I want to drill down there. So firstly, completely agree about chatbots. Companies have seen it as a way of, of saving money. And I think you know, quite often I want I personally want to interact with a human being. Mm. I just don't necessarily want to speak to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, Which is the beauty of chats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so I don't mind a chatbot if it routes me to the right person quickly. Um, but if it's the primary way of doing business, I'm probably going to get frustrated as well. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a real trend towards... Um, especially in um, B2B events, especially in in-person in, in type experiences of using gimmicks to drive attention and to, and to drive mindshare. And I think the way I prefer to think about this and, you know, listeners, this may or may not make any sense, but, 
it is to think it's it's no good at being a gimmick. It can be novel. It mm. can be a novel way of consuming that content, but you can't just include a gimmick and expect it to work. Um, so you know, if we if we expand that out to past chatbots to things like in-person experiences, it's no good just putting a Hololens or virtual reality headset on your on your stand. You're not going to drive if it, if unless it has something to do with your core message. I just don't think it's going to drive the result. I think it's about being novel, not yeah. not not have it adding a, a gimmick for the sake of it. And I think that's really important for millennial marketers. You know, we're getting to that mid-management or over-management point now. Yep. And like you said, having something novel really attracts our attention because everyone is shouting the same, everyone's spouting the same. So I, I perceive gimmicks the same way I perceive badly laid out websites or emails that I receive that have miscorrect information in them because I look at it and I think, what are you trying to hook me with here? Mm-hmm. And there is an element of mistrust that I think... Mm-hmm. Are we a uh, are we a mistrusting generation? I think we're very mm-hmm. online savvy, okay? And we just don't fall... Uh, mind you, I've fallen for some very, very obvious stuff in my time. <laughs> but not really like... I want to drill into that. What have you fallen <laughs> for, Harry? So I was owed a tax rebate of £273. A reasonable amount of money. I got an email that said you're owed a tax rebate of £273. I was like, I know. Uh, (laughs) And uh, so I clicked through. And I go to what I now know is a very janky-looking mobile website, (laughs) let it be known. But, you know, it kind of claimed to be from the government and stuff. And I was just sitting there, just just giving out details and it wasn't until I said I was a student and I was just sitting in the kitchen just oh this is such a ball ache and I go like Cameron what's my mother's maiden name and he goes what the f*** are you doing <laughs> yeah but I think you're right I think we are a mistrusting generation I don't think it's <laughs> I'm a trusting dude how did they know that you had a tax rebate though how was that's my question mm. that's that but I, mean... I think that's where you mistrust that's yeah. absolutely where you mistrust I mean there's been this phishing scam going around even this company here today where they come out and they say here is your password and granted this is a password I used back at university when I used the same one for everything but it knew and it collected the data from somewhere and as millennials all of our information is out there on Mm -hmm. the web everywhere you know really if you wanted to dig into one person's data it would not be a hard thing to do I've got ex-girlfriends that could find out you should make a commodity out of this (laughs) (laughs) we've been growing up knowing that they're scams so I don't think it's made us wary I think it's made us independent every piece of marketing that comes to us we make an independent decision on that which goes back to John's point yep. we research we look outside of the, what they're telling us we go and look on other things and I actually yeah I think independent is the right word rather than wary but it comes across as sceptical and cynical a little bit but I think yep. it's only a positive thing and I think if brands and B2B marketers really trust their audiences and trust their decision makers they'll be happy to go do you know what yep go away and read this independent port on us go away and <coughs> you know have a conversation outside and we will be there when you're ready for us rather than having to push, push, push. And I think I think just expanding on that a little, we, you know, we now live in an age where data is of utmost importance mm. and B2C brands are already using, you know, some of them have come, on, come under a lot of fire recently for misusing data. Um, but I think when it's used well to personalise the experience, um, it can be very, very powerful. Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, again, going back to my my stats dictionary <laughs> over here, the you know, eighty two percent of B two B buyers expect, and this is from a Salesforce study. If anyone, if anyone's interested, expect the experiences to be more consumer like. So actually, we are expecting to go and see offers that are relevant to us. We are expecting to have the case studies personalised to to our company when we hit your website 
and we don't mind that data being used in that way and we trust it being used in that way as long as it as long as it's clear and it adds value to our to our lives so it's a really interesting point there and i'm actually not quite sure how to really summarize it but mm-hmm. trust is going to be a, a key beachfront if you will that we're going to be seeing over the next few next few years especially considering all of the controversy around facebook data mm-hmm. and i think brands established trust in the correct way but also can take advantage of that data to personalize the experience and be the ones that succeed. So there's a there's a sweet spot between uh, privacy and convenience that yeah. we'd like to straddle. Of. Yeah. Um, yeah. I personally have no problem with, with certain things being advertised to me that I really like, but I feel uncomfortable if I'm talking to my girlfriend about, um, you know what, wouldn't it be great if we had a dog? And then suddenly I'm like on Facebook and it's dog food immediately, just like that. I got married last year and straight away when I came back from my honeymoon, I was being targeted with baby adverts. Yeah. We all want to look at that user journey and we want to go what's their natural next step and in the b2c world i've seen the natural next step for that was you're probably going to go and have a child in the b2b world the natural next step might be okay you want to talk to someone you know you you're interested in this you want to lead and if you feel too pushed down that path there's there's, there's a resentment almost so i think it's really tricky for marketers today to market to this generation but i think the ones that do it well absolutely reap the rewards in such a beautiful way and the trust that's built around that brand is just incredible to witness we're all entrenched in internet culture as well and internet culture has so many layers of irony and sarcasm and mockery that people that try to engage with us and do it slightly wrong get ridiculed in a way that Mm -hmm. is so unforgiving yep I think, and I, I think the way I summarise what you've just mentioned there, Harry, is it's all about being genuine. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Like it's it, it's you can be funny and you can take advantage of, of, of you know of the latest internet meme, but it has to be genuine. We sniff out uh, straight away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I think that's that's a that, 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 that's a key element. So, like, if we just start to summarise some of the elements that we've gone through today, so we talked a lot about mobile. Yeah. We've talked, you know, if your experience isn't mobile, then you know, what are you doing? Um, we've talked a lot about kind of how 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 millennials, but generally B two B decision makers now research um, out of hours. They research while they're on holiday. They research in the evenings. And research um, aside from what is being told to them by that brand. And we've talked about how um, how they expect a consumer experience. How we expect things to be personalised for our needs. How we expect. Um, items to be, you know, or sites and and marketing experience to be much more like Amazon than they are like our competitors. If I was to summarise kind of three key elements of, you know, how to build out those experiences moving forward and it going through each one of each one of those steps we just covered. So the first one would be to always be present. You know, it sounds obvious, but we've mentioned mobile, but things like social have an impact. Even in B two B now, we've had our first few clients start to talk about using Instagram in B two B technology marketing campaigns, which is pretty pretty amazing. Um, being personal so we've talked about how to personalize some of that content think about the context that someone's visiting you in think about where they are in that buyer's journey think about their job role you know, all things that would sound you know immediately quite obvious to us as marketeers but apply that to every every element across your site um, and finally be actionable um, so always be finding, yeah. providing a great user experience always be providing a clear next action or next step you know we're very used to building gated landing pages but with today's technology it doesn't need to be that complicated anymore just ensuring that the users scroll through the page and, and, and read it but certainly with things like marketing automation that like we have today just allow you to get information on whether that's resonating and whether users are engaging with a brand so you know if i was to think about any way to summarize this if you just think about every experience that you build in those three three buckets you know you, you should go a long way to building out something that really works for for, for millennials 
Give us an email if you'd like to be on the show. If there's anything you'd like discussed, we're always happy to hear from you. The link or the email is in the bio.